welcome to another episode of the Mad Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Begley, Goni, and Wayne. What is up, Mad Mob? We are in episode two of the ever-important series where we rank all of the important positional players. Uh, just sent you our quarterback rankings a couple days ago, and now we're we're giving you the consensus RB1s, arguably the most important position. Gentlemen, how are you? Wonderful. What's going on, Excellent. Boys? I'm out here in nature again with uh, this squirrel taking a picture of himself in the camera for those watching on YouTube. Beg's got a peep of it just now. He wasn't watching before. So that's how it's going. Goni, you just you never know where Goni's going to be potting from. We've we've seen him we've seen him in front of the Grand Canyon, we've seen him at Yosemite, we've seen him at in Yellowstone, space. seen him on let's the go. moon. <laughs> just never know with him, boys. Let's jump right into this. Consensus number one, all of us had him at one. Don't really want to talk too much on it because if you don't know, you should know. Number one, Christian McCaffrey. Does anybody want to go into why this guy's uh, a lock for one as long as he's healthy? It's just obvious, I, I feel like, is the main thing. I mean, he, he's finally healthy. We saw it last year. He absolutely destroyed Worlds. We didn't know how things were going to go after the trade from Carolina to San Fran, and he just kept on running with it. He got all kinds of yardage when he got there. And really, he's the only he's the only threat, I think, in a redraft league to Jetta going at the 101. Yeah, I think I think Brock Purdy probably being named the starter is the best thing that, that that's going to happen to him, too. Not to mention uh, his injuries over his career. He's he's got the beating of a 25 year old on him, even though he's 27. So might might see this for another two, three years if he can stay healthy. Consensus number two, we got Bijan Robinson. I had him at five. Goni had him at three. Beggs had him at two. Um, I had him. I had him the furthest off. Uh, nothing against Bijan. Um, he's one of the hottest dynasty commodities since Najee Harris, uh, coming out of college. Compared to Saquon, um, as far as his ability, um, heading to a team that led in rushing attempts last year. Uh, for me, it's just the question mark uh, of the Falcons that push him back to five. Um, you got Desmond Ritter coming in, who's essentially a rookie. Uh, he's a mobile quarterback. How much uh, how much rushing is he going to take? Is he going to dump it off at all? You know, what kind of play calling are they going to do? Because when you have a young quarterback like that, you're going to have to baby him as far as the play calling goes a little bit. Um, a Falcons still towed a top ten offensive line. Uh, their biggest question mark last year was uh, – uh, their guard, and they went and drafted Matthew uh, Bergeron at guard. Um, it's honestly just just a rookie syndrome that's taken them back to back to number five for me, um, and and how they're going to handle the offense through Desmond Ritter. For me, though, Bijan definitely has um, a ceiling of of the RB two. I think outside of maybe Derrick Henry, for me, going this, he's got the best situation, coach, scheme, offensive line. Uh, of any running back in the league. I, I've bought into the hype all the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I have him as high as three as well because I was looking back on some of the running backs that were drafted in the top 10 since 2016. We had Zeke, Fournette, McCaffrey, and Saquon. 
Zeke finished second. Leonard Fournette finished ninth. McCaffrey finished 10th, playing behind Jonathan Stewart. And Saquon finished first. I kind of see him as a hybrid between Saquon and Zeke. Uh, in my opinion, Saquon got there off the back of a thousand receptions from the aging Eli Manning, and Zeke got there off rushing for over fifteen hundred yards and a bunch of touchdowns. Um, I, I mean, the Falcons run the ball; they they run the ball a whole lot. So there was one point in Week Four where Arthur Smith said, "Guys, here's what we're doing: we're going to run the bleeping bleep out of this football. Get ready to run the ball." And the Falcons proceeded to run the ball 14 straight plays in a row. They run more than anyone. I, I just I love the opportunities here, and that's what I'm banking on. Yep. All right. Uh, we got our consensus three, Saquon Barkley. Goni and I have him as uh, the second ranked running back, and Beggs has him as the six. Yeah. So you know he's the last of kind of the tier two for me. Uh, but you know if you look at last season to start the season. Uh, New York leaned heavily on, on Saquon, but what I'm more interested in is the last quarter. And it, <clears throat> if you look at the numbers, they've really tried to win more games through the air. Uh, and I think that's the way Dable wants to win games. It's how he won it at Buffalo. Traded for Waller, uh, drafted Til- drafted uh, Hyatt in the third round of the draft, traded for Paris Campbell. Plus, you know, the fact that they were willing to tag probably the best franchise player since Michael Strahan. Uh, it's a little concerning to me. I don't know why Saquon couldn't get a two-year deal uh, for, from New York. I just don't see the games where he gets 25 carries as being commonplace. Um, but I do still think he's a threat in the receiving game. That's why he's in tier two, you know, for me. I had him at two just because of, of what he did last year. Um, he ranked second only to Alvin Kamara in snap share. He was on the field a ton. Um finished fifth in targets among running backs. And that's honestly where I see him jumping up in the rankings a little bit. It's his ability to find the end zone in the receiving game. Uh, Seventh in receptions last year, uh, over 1,300 yards on the ground. Um, And he didn't find the end zone a single time through the air. I think he does that a couple times this this upcoming year. Um, 295 carries last year, and based on this offense, I don't think that's too hard to recreate. Yeah, and the Giants really made no significant acquisitions for their backfield. I mean, they went and got Eric Gray, but they didn't really use anyone in the backfield last year. He averaged 18.4 carries a game, and like Wayne kind of mentioned, I mean, he he had the most targets and receptions since his rookie season. So that's come up a lot since, you know, what he's gotten over the years. Uh, another thing is he signed a one-year deal, so it's really another prove-a-year for him. He's going to be doing everything he can to get the bag. Uh, we don't know if it's going to happen in the current running back market, but I'm sure it was hard to extend them for what he wanted. Being being the number two pick, and I kind of had a little knock on it when they made the pick on him, is just the way the slotting system is. They kind of shot themselves in the foot drafting a running back at number two. You're, you're just you're paying so much money. He, he came into the league as a top five paid running back. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, our consensus four, Nick Chubb. I have him at three. Gohan has him at six. Beggs has him at five. Guess that's me. That's Guess you. that's me. Furthest off. All right. So if you guys were listening, I had Nick Chubb in my bust column. Uh, I was I was kind of pigeonholed into uh, taking an AFC bust. I thought it would be Nick Chubb. 
But after looking into the numbers and seeing the pool of running backs that we have to choose from, it was incredibly, incredibly hard to put other guys in front of him, at least as a back-end RB1. I mean, he's still the best peer runner in football. Um, I would, I guess my biggest knock was his struggles last year when he was on the field with Watson. He averaged only 13.3 points per game last year, and he only scored one touchdown when Watson was on the field. And it came in the form of the rarest of rare for Nick Chubb, a receiving touchdown. Um, that's just one of the other things as well. His lack of the receiving work kind of caps his ceiling for me. That's why I couldn't really get him too much higher. It took him 1,500 plus yards and 12 touchdowns last year just to get him to the RB6 spot. So that's kind of where I have him. Yeah, I mean, uh, Wayne, I mean, you're, I'll, I'm just going to be quick because you, you had him at three. But, but to me, I mean, at five, six, you know, this range is kind of his, his ceiling. His situation is just, uh, I, it's, it's wonderful. What does scare me a little bit is Stefanski wanting to throw the ball more, according to a quote he has 60% of the time. Um, you know, it's a little scary, but I like Chubb. Go ahead, Wayne. Uh, just like you said, he's probably one of the most efficient runners. He's arguably one of the most efficient runners ever. Uh, and that's that's going to continue. That's that's their safety blanket in Cleveland. That's what they know they can do successfully. Deshaun Watson, we'll see. You know, he might be able to face lighter boxes if Deshaun Watson can figure it out up there. And we're we're just combing over the fact that Kareem Hunt's gone, and they made no attempt to to replace him. So he might see a little bit more receiving work. Not saying he's got the talent to become. Christian McCaffrey, obviously, I don't believe that at all, but could he see a slight jump in his receiving numbers? I believe so with Kareem Hunt gone. All right, for our consensus five, we've got Tony Pollard. I have him at six. The boys have him at four. Uh, I have him at six, and I think it's just it's really all about who's in front of him. You know, I got CMC, Saquon, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, and Bijan in front of him in my rankings, so... Um, the fact that he's six has nothing to do with him. Uh, I like him a lot. Um, in, in our NFC East breakdown, um, I believe I had him as a lock. I gave him a lot of praise in that episode. He came in and took the number one spot from Zeke. Um, who's no slouch. I mean, now he is, but when he took the job, he really wasn't. Um, and he ran with it to the tune of an RB one finish last year. Um, they let Zeke walk. They're fine. Having Pollard. Um, not to mention the man finished uh, as an RB1 with almost a, a straight 50-50 split in the backfield. And now it's his backfield, and behind that offense, uh, he could be amazing. Only nine touchdowns, rushed for 5.2 yards per carry, extremely efficient, uh, and I look for him to continue to do that this year. Yeah, he, on, he only had 59% snap share last year, and like you said, he finished as a, an RB1, top 12, Made it look easy. Super explosive every time he touched the ball. He averaged nine and a half yards per uh, per catch last year and seven yards per target. I think he's going to be a force in the receiving game. I think that I think the Cowboys' offense is going to be good. Period. This year, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, right now, Ronald Jones and Malik Davis uh, are, are the backups here, and Rojo suspended two games. I don't think Dallas is in a rush to sign anybody else. Pollard is their guy. I'm all in on Tony Pollard this year. Yep. 
Agreed. All right. Our consensus number six is Goni and I's boy. So it's going to break our heart on this one. Austin Eckler. Uh, Goni and I had him at seven. Beggs had him at three. Beggs, why you got him all the way up there, my guy? Well, I, I'm not quite fading him like, like you guys are. I, I do expect the uh, receiving volume to go down with the Lombardi departure. Um, I still think there's a pretty good chemistry there, though, between Herbert and Eckler. And, you know, for me, who, who's going to take snaps, man? I, I know sometimes, you know, as an Eckler owner last year, Gone, you've alluded to the fact that uh, Joshua Kelly would, would steal some goal line snaps. But, I mean, I'm just, that's just not somebody I'm worried about. You know, and if you look at Kellen Moore while he was in Dallas, outside of last year, Zeke was the bell cow. Uh, you know, he uses one running back um, probably more than most other coaches in the league. I'm just not not ready to fade him yet. I, the vo- receiving volume goes down, but I think some of the red zone work goes up. I, I think San Diego or Los Angeles as a whole, their offense uh, kind of regresses back up to their mean this year. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, everybody knows where he shines. Uh, he he got 21 more targets and 22 more receptions than the second-place guy in those categories. Uh, 18 total touchdowns, and, and we called for a slight regression last year, and it happened. Uh, it's, it's just scary for me. It's like, they, it, it's like they continue to try and replace him. At the beginning of last year, they were giving Josh Kelly the ball at the goal line. Um, they keep they keep drafting players, Kelly, Roundtree, Spiller. It's like they're trying to find a replacement before he needs one. Um, and and like you said, Begley, the guy that's responsible for so, for such lucrative fantasy running back play calling is has moved on. Um, I just again, I think he's he's definitely an RB one because there's no great guy nipping at his heels, but his numbers are just so phenomenal that there has to be a regression at this point. That's where I'm with it as well. 18 touchdowns after 20 the year before. It, it's got to come down. I mean, he's just had back-to-back essentially career years. And if you haven't listened to the AFC West episode, I went into this majorly. I'll keep it kind of short for you, but it has everything to do with Joe Lombardi. Uh, he's flourished under him for the last two years. Joe Lombardi is the running back whisperer when it comes to targets. Uh, guys like Theo Riddick, Alvin Kamara, and and Eckler just going all the way back to 2015. He's turned these guys into just much more elite fantasy players based off of the target share that he runs at his schemes. So I, I want to ask you all, if if Los Angeles had not paid Eckler, he was kind of one of the few star running backs who didn't have the drama of the contract, do you guys drop him even further? If he goes so. somewhere else, I i mean, personally, I do. The guy's also, as much as I love him, he's never broke a 1,000 yards, ever. He, he caps out at about uh, a couple hairs over 200 carries in a season, and he, he gets all of his, his work done in the receiving game. So uh, PPR, he's ultra-valuable. Half PPR, he takes a hit, obviously. But it's just scary as a, an owner – just having a running back that doesn't run for over a thousand yards. That's, you know, that's all. Who never runs for a thousand yards. Not never. Never. But I mean, that being said, he's consistent top three guys. So if he can, if he can keep the receiving game going with Joe Lombardi's departure, then he's invincible. And I will, 
I'll send him a personal apology that he'll never see on Twitter. <laughs> All right, let's go to our consensus seven. We got Derrick Henry. I have him at four. Goni has him at five. Beggs has him at eight. I, listen, I had to put him up at four. Uh, once again, he's leading the NFL in rushing attempts. His efficiency keeps creeping down year over year, but the volume is is there year after year. And again, nobody's there to take his touches away. Uh, it might be a gamble to put a 30-year-old here, uh, but until the Titans come up with any other game plan other than hand the ball to King Henry, uh, I don't care about the age. His foot held up well last year, uh, and he ran the ball for over 1,500 yards, 1,100 of which um, were yards created by Derrick Henry. Um, so he's still making it happen. He's still barreling through lines and 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 making his own his own yardage. Uh, talent's still there. It, it's a gamble because we'll have to see if Father Time catches up. But again, the Titans' game plan: if you look on the front, middle, and back page, top to bottom, it's hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. And the efficiency didn't go down either. Just just to add on to what you're saying, I mean, he still averaged 4.4 yards a carry. They're still giving him everything he can handle in the workload. And what's even better as just a little bump is he saw the most targets, receptions, receiving yards of his career last year. So if he's getting involved in the passing game, that all that only, you know, boosts his value even more than that. I mean, we're talking about a guy who ran for over 2000 yards and finished as the RB three that year because he doesn't get any receiving work. It's just, it's the cheat code. Rushing is the cheat code for quarterbacks. Receiving is the cheat code for running backs and fantasy. Uh, and then also, just one other thing on top of it is you have to like the signing of DeAndre Hopkins for, for Derrick Henry's sake. It, it's going to just allow guys, the defense can't stack seven or eight in the box every time anymore. I don't know how efficient Hopkins is going to be in the passing game for them this season, but if Derrick Henry gets to see more six-player sets than Good on him. Since 2010, there have only been three players, 29 or older, to drop 250 fantasy points. LaShawn McCoy, Matt Forte, and Adrian Peterson. I I think Henry is an alien, and he's he's very capable of it. I have him at eight. But I think the data tells us this typically is when the slowdown starts to happen. So that's, that's why I faded him back to eight. Situation's great, though. What were the three? McCoy, Forte, and Peterson. Forte is kind of a surprise, but I would definitely put him in the specimen side with Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson was a stud, and Derrick Henry is as well, man. It's just he's such a freakishly large human being. Uh, I could see it, man. If anyone could do it, it could be him. He's not I, a regular guy. His I agree. Defenders bounce off of him. It's, it's not like his body – is is absorbing all these blows as much as a smaller guy is. I mean, linebackers hate to make contact as much as he hates them making contact with him. Um, I agree. If there's somebody that's going to do it, it's definitely Derrick Henry. He makes divots in the ground with people's face masks off his nasty stiff arm. You think he goes back like a golfer afterwards and repatches that little piece of grass there? Yeah, he's got a little divot tool, and he's like yeah. <laughs> putting sand in it. <laughs> it's either it's either him uh, just you know out of respect for the field, or or it's the defender picking it out of their face mask. <laughs> he rides Marshawn Lynch's golf cart out there. <laughs> all right, our consensus eight. We're all pretty close on this one. 
is Josh Jacobs. I had him at nine. Goni hit it on the head with eight, and Beggs had him at seven. Um, I guess I'll talk on him. I mean, we all know he absolutely killed it last year. He rushed for over 1,600 yards on the ground, 12 touchdowns, 53 receptions for 400 yards, and, and led the NFL with in all-purpose yards with over 2,000. I that's just not going to happen again. <laughs> that type of volume is simply not sustainable. Uh, now that they have new guys on the line, a new guy under center, a new guy at tight end, um, there's going to be some melding to do um, with this offense. Um, that being said, the running back position is not very strong this year, so I think he'll still be a very good fantasy option. Uh, just don't look for him to repeat what he did last year. Um, the Raiders still have Devontae Adams. They added Jacoby Myers. They ha- they drafted Baby Gronk. Uh, this seems like the offense wants to move into uh, more of a passing direction under McDaniels. Yeah, I, that's that's good analysis here. I mean, we don't have enough of a difference. I, I, I just think he's the guy there. <clears throat> I mean, I don't think Zamir White or Amir Abdullah are really going to challenge for any, any touches. I don't know how he gets off the field. You know, I, I looked into Zamir White because that's, you know, I try and leave no stone unturned. Mm-hmm. And I, I really wasn't, it didn't really scare me off of anything. I looked him up and it was like, because as you all know, he was he was my bust whenever we went over this division. And and I guess I'd still consider him that when he finished as the RB, what, two or three last year and now I have him back at nine. But, mm-hmm. you know, I thought maybe he'd be 12, 13. So I was looking at – I was honestly looking for reasons to push him further back. And, and you're right, Begley. It was like that running back room, there was nobody in there that was that was worrying me. Yeah. No, I mean, I think he has a great chance to finish here. He shot up. 123 more carries than he did last year and he finished as the rb11 the year before so i mean i think i still think he'll get like 300 carries and they the receiving work has gone up over the last two years as well he saw 64 targets each of those years and 53 and 54 receptions so i think the pathway is there but as you mentioned there's a lot of new faces so I don't really think there's a whole lot of explosive playmakers there outside of Devontae Adams. Uh, you know, the only other thing, because I've heard you say it numerous times, and you're the only one I've ever heard say it from, man, is Michael Mayer. Referring to Michael Mayer as Baby Gronk. I have not heard a single thing. I've What I've heard from Baby Gronk is that annoying kid. That little kid. Yeah, bro. Yeah. What is up with that? His dad is trying to ride that man's clout. Yeah, uh, Gronk apparently like, like is is close to filing a restraining order on that man's dad. Yeah, gave him like fifty calls or something like that, just trying to endorse this kid for yeah. everything. And like, nah, man, get away with me. Yeah, so I don't know. I I read it somewhere, man. <laughs> fair enough. Fair Some, enough. Some somebody somebody once was quoted saying, "Baby Gronk, does that work?" It was a it was a quote out of training camp. I suppose, but every time you say it, it just makes me think of that kid, and I'm like, ah, oh, no way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Our consensus nine. We got Travis Etienne. I have him at eight. Goni has him at 12. Beggs has him at 13. Uh, I mean, I'm closest to where he is in the consensus, but I'm further off from you all, so I guess I'll speak on him. Etienne, I got him at eight. Tank Bigsby doesn't scare me. Um, this offense looks to be explosive with Ridley coming back and T-Law making huge strides. Defense has got to respect the pass. Etienne also went a little a little under the radar last year as far as his efficiency. He ranked fifth in the NFL with yards per carry 
getting 5.1. He was 13 in the in attempts, but eighth in yards and finished as the RB17 last year with a 59% snap share. A little over 200 carries and a measly five touchdowns. I see all those numbers increasing in 2023 for ETN. So I kind of compared, uh, you know, when I'm looking at Tank coming in, I compared to what he did with James Robinson before he left. When James Robinson was there, he had 11.6 attempts per game, and ETN still managed over 400 yards in that same stretch. Um, He was on par to still be an RB1 if he continued – the route that James that he was on with James Robinson was there, and that's when he was the two. So now he's the he's the one, and and this offense is going to be crazy. Uh, Etn is is a guy that when I was making my rankings before I did my research, I thought he was going to be in the fourteen through sixteen range, and then he just kept moving up for me. It's kind of opposite for me. Uh, I I think Etn's a guy that I could see fall in my rankings prior to the season you know when you look at his numbers to me just wasn't very good like Wayne you called your Najee shot last year I'm gonna call my ETN shot I I I don't think he's that good where where do you think he's not good what stats coming out to you where you're seeing that he's not good well well a he wasn't very targeted in the passing game only 45 targets um you know that's not his talent when you look at at this is a stat I've, I've referenced historically. PFF doesn't expect fantasy points per game. Uh, you know, he's back at 24th, 37th in fantasy points per opportunity. Um, man, he's when he comes to running backs, like Goni said, the, the cheat code is, is receiving. He's really not involved. 31st in target share amongst all running backs. 27th in route percentage. And I think if you look at his fantasy points per game, which is the number I've got here somewhere, just got to find it. He was toward a kind of a back-end RB2 number. I, I think he was bolstered by some long runs last year. Uh, I think that that kind of made him look a little better than what, what he was. And I think Tank Bixby's a, a nice athlete who's going to take some third-down snaps from him. I, I mean, I like him this year. I, I definitely do for all the points that Wayne made in his uh I mean I just couldn't really get him any higher because to me I think that the Jaguars I I had ETN last year as well and I feel like the Jaguars I don't want to say limit him or want to limit him but they don't want to give him the fattest workload of all time and I think that's why they brought Bigsby in uh the numbers as far as that you might be referring to Beggs you have to remember he had a Liz Frank injury last year He's completely over that going into this season, so he's not going to be hindered by it. His yards per carry, 5.1. That's phenomenal. I mean, that, that's really great. Uh, he he only got 220 carries last season. I, I could see it going up, but I, I don't see any more than like 240 or so. I, I think that they're looking to kind of split it up. I expect him to get some more passing work, and then he's got to clean up the fumble issues as well. He had five fumbles last year. I may or may not put you in the doghouse, you know, with your head coach and whatnot. But I mean, I I like him. I think he has all the talent in the world. He's just got to stay on the field. I like that he's going to be over his injury this year, so we get him at a hundred percent. I just think it's something to where they don't want to overuse him because he doesn't really have the frame for a workhorse running back. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not worried about his complete unla- lack of uninvolvement in the passing game. You think he 
gets 60, 70 targets. Well, we have him ranked the same way, Gone. I assume you well, have him there. Because well, here's the deal with that is he wasn't involved in the passing game. You mm-hmm. listed all these stats where he's ranked 30th here, 30th there, and he still mm-hmm. finished as the RB17 last year, and mm-hmm. he, still only met, he still only got five touchdowns. For mm-hmm. for an RB1 on a team, that is a extremely easy number to improve on. Mm-hmm. His snap shares, an extremely easy number to improve on, mm-hmm. and he's going to. I mean, this offense is, is phenomenal. This offense is going to be in the red zone a lot. Uh, he's going to find the end zone more, so – it, regardless of all those bad stats, he still finished as the RB seventeen. So I, I see, I see an improvement in both snap share and and touchdowns. I, you know, it's a guy I'm willing to put a doink on if if you want. I, you know, the breakaway runs fifth in the in the league with sixteen breakaway runs. That's why his yards per carry is so high. But that's a talent. That's a talent to break away. Fair enough. I can respect that. I can respect that. And we can't really put a doink on it because you've got them. Yeah, you've got them. There's four spots between us. What are we going to do? It's fair. Fair enough. I'm all ears, though. Nah, let's just move on. You're, you're right. It's close. It's all right. Too close. Our consensus 10. I'm going to ruffle some feathers with this one, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Uh, our consensus 10 is Jonathan Taylor. I have him at 16. Goni has him at 10. Beggs has him at 9. <sighs> Fall from grace. Uh, I can't put him that high, uh, regardless of his talent. I understand last year it was a terrible offense. I mean, he was still pretty efficient at 4.5 yards per rush, um, which is why everybody isn't completely writing him off. But now we have these holdout issues standing over his head. He's requesting a trade. Um, the team made up some back injury about JT where him and his agent came out and said, we don't know what they were talking about. It's a recipe for a weird year. Um, for me, JT's best bet is to get traded, and then I think his value can go up, but I think that's going to happen later rather than sooner. Um, there's really been nothing in this offense to make it better. Um, this is an offense that ranked fourth worst in the NFL, um, with 45.8% red zone percentage. So the scoring is just not going to be there. I, they've just done nothing to make this offense better. I think Anthony Richardson, I'm on record saying it over and over again, I think he's trash cans. I think he's going to be a terrible NFL quarterback, regardless of how you might feel about him from a fantasy perspective. I, I just There's no way that this offense, based on what they haven't done for the offense in the offseason, is going to get any better. And and that's that's why I don't have him. I mean, he might be efficient again. He's just not going to score. I mean, he he missed six games last year, and even though the offense was bad, he was still good. I mean, as you said, he had four and a half yards per carry. That's down a full yard from what he had last year, where he well the year before rather, where he was far and away the RB one rushing for over eighteen hundred yards. He didn't. Sc- he didn't score much last year. I mean, he, he scored four touchdowns. Uh, that Colts is what it didn't is. score much last year. Yeah, I know. You're 100% right. But he was plagued with injuries. Like I said, he, he missed a lot of games. He even some of those games that are being counted against him for his, his points per game average or whatever, he, he took a couple snaps, maybe a reception, and then he got hurt. So, I mean, that, that also hurts him. But he's going to be fully healthy this year. Well, I'm banking on him being fully healthy this year. He's still on the pup. He's yet to come off. 
it could, it couldn't happen, but I know there's a deadline or he's going to have to miss the first six games of the season. And I don't think the Colts want to do that. Um, the volume was still there though. I mean, he averaged 21 opportunities a game in the games that he did play. He showed that he has some efficiency, Anthony Richardson coming into the quarterback spot as much as you hate him, as much as everyone hates him. It ain't nothing new for Jonathan Taylor, man. He's played with bad quarterbacks since he got into the league. Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, none of those guys made the defense respect the quarterback at all. Jonathan Taylor's still done it. If Anthony Richardson can make the defense respect him with either his arm or his legs, I feel like that works out in Jonathan Taylor's favor. If, if you know, some RPOs or anything like that where they expect the quarterback to keep the ball, maybe open up a lane for him. Uh, it's just another thing where I like the volume, man. 21, 21 opportunities a game is is hard to turn away from regardless. So that that's why I have him ranked at 10. I see yeah, it. I think it's recency bias with Jonathan Taylor, right? I mean, he when he's coming to the league, he has an RB, what, six finish, RB, eight, and then RB, one. He had one bad year. He got hurt. Matt, Matt Ryan was horrendous last year. The, the team was horrendous. The Jeff Saturday debacle. I don't know that you can write off Jonathan Taylor after one year. You know, PFF has this as the 10th best offensive line heading into 2023. And Gone, you made good points. When he did play last year, he wasn't awful. I think this is the stink of everybody uh, taking him as the number one overall player and him falling well short of expectations. Everyone's got the uh, pitchforks and fire out for him and, well, and Russell Wilson. Well, I mean, in 2022, the Colts were a top 10 offensive line as well so that's nothing new to him it, it's literally just it's the holdout it's it's the team it's the weird the weird vibe with him and management them making up injuries that he's going against and then for me to make you an rb1 i feel like you got to be in the end zone uh, you got to you got to find the end zone and that offense is trash what did that what have they done to make it any better i mean nothing no, he is the offense though it's it's i'll tell you what they did gonna have an answer for that Mm-hmm. They hired a real NFL coach. Jeff Saturday isn't a real NFL coach. That matters. Shane Steichen is, man. I mean, I think it's a good hire. Okay. We'll we'll agree to disagree on this one. Um, Our consensus 11 is Najee Harris. I had him at 12. Goni had him at 9. Beggs had him at 14. I, I, for me with Najee, I don't think we can discount Jalen Warren being a factor uh, in that backfield last year. He's still there, right? Najee finished as RB14. I just couldn't find it anywhere plausible for me to project him forward. Where does he take the leap, right? If Kenny Pickett is better, I don't I don't quite understand how that flows in into Najee's profile. I think if anything, he might even get scaled back a little more cuz Jalen Warren was very productive when he played. Yeah, I mean, uh, dude, he he barely broke a thousand yards last year, three point eight yards per carry. It wasn't good. There, there's definitely room for improvement there, a hundred percent. I mean, he he still had, you know, a little bit of volume. It absolutely came down as far as the passing game goes. Um, like I said, he wasn't efficient at all. He had a poor offensive line. He had a rookie quarterback in Pickett. All those things look to get better. The Steelers went out and got Eagles guard Isaac Samalo. Uh, they got Broderick Jones with the 14th pick, and they brought in Darnell Washington. They brought him into block. They brought all those guys into block. 
They didn't bring in any other running backs. Jalen Warren was was very good last year. Not going to lie. Absolutely. And I, I knew this would have been a sticking point uh, that got brought up. But it was really a tale of two halves for Najee last year. And I think it coincides with Pickett's experience. Over the first half of the season, Najee averaged 10.8 points per game. In the second half of the season, he averaged 15.9 points per game. And that includes the work that Jalen Warren earned through his his stellar play, really. And Jalen Warren got up to 40% snap share in three of those games. That's solid. It's very solid. But Najee averaging 16 points a game down the stretch. I, I think Pickett having another year under his belt, the additions they made to the offensive line, and the continued volume that you're going to see Najee get uh, is is what's going to propel him back into the RB1 conversation this year. Yep. I don't have much more to add to that. Um, volume is is second to receiving work when it comes to uh, what you want from your running backs. Um, another year for Kenny Pickett, who wasn't bad last year. Um, now he's got another year with the MVP, Pat Fryermuth. Um, we've got Deontay, another year with him, George Pickens. Um, this offense is going to be is going to be pretty good this year, and a good offense means more touchdown opportunities. Um, so on top of his volume, I think he finds the end zone a little bit more. Let's see, um, all right, our final guy of this episode, our RB twelve, our final RB one. We got Joe Mixon. I had him as the RB fifteen. Goni had him at the eleven. Beggs had him at the ten. I, I just I feel nasty if I'm drafting Joe Mixon. He's not great from an efficiency standpoint. He ranks 35th in the NFL in yards per rush, and that's with uh, a fifth-ranked light box light box percentage. Uh, 50, he faces a 58.5% light box. Um, that means uh, six or less defenders in the box. Um, the reason you feel good about Mixon in your lineup is the team that he's on and the lack of competition in the backfield. Um, that's fair. Mixon will be in the red zone a lot. Uh, he'll be getting most of the carries, uh, but what pushes him back is is the limited carries in general. He ranked in he ranked in the top ten in snap share, but in the back half of the league in rushing attempts. Um, that trend's going to continue. This this offense is all Joe Burrow, all Jamar Chase, all T Higgins. Uh, there's a he's got a safe floor. He's got a safe floor as the workhorse running back in Cincinnati, but he's got a very hard ceiling for me, and and that's ten. Uh, I just don't see I just don't see the volume there. Yeah, you make a good point, Wayne, and and I think the answer, right, as to why he saw such a high snap share and such low carries, really involved in the passing game. Seventh in targets, I think the departure of Samaj P. Ryan, I think there's there's upside to get to 90 targets for Joe Mixon this year. Chase Brown, Chase Brown is not a receiving uh, threat. He wasn't in college. I don't think he will be in the pros. So is Chris Evans going to take time from Joe Mixon. I mean this this could be the volume play this year. Right? Maybe Tony Pollard and Mixon, Eckler top 3. I mean I can definitely agree with you on I think that the receiving work could go up. He he definitely wasn't very efficient last year. I thought at one point towards the end of the season that he was so bad he was going to fall out of the top 12. I made a doink with Wayne. He held on for dear life and finished as the RB12 and won Wayne the doink. 
this this to me is is a volume play. Well, I won't even say volume play. It's a running back on a great offense. It kind of feels like the Bengals are turning into diet Buffalo Bills right now, going to the passing game primarily. They they still run the ball. You don't really want a running back on the Bills for the most part. Joe Mixon, I, I feel okay about it. Uh, but he's he's going to see steady volume still. And, and they signed Orlando Brown Jr., which I think he could benefit from also. Um, just give me the running back on a good offense. That's that's why I have him here. But, man, he, he really did survive by the hair on his chinny-chin-chin from all the off-field stuff that went on this season, or this offseason, rather. And it kind of probably feels a little weird for him. He might have a chip on his shoulder because the Bengals' front office – refused to verbally commit to him being the running back for this team all offseason. Chip on his shoulder, a little salty. We'll see. All right. Mad Mob, arguably the most important episode we'll do. Uh, So just go ahead and rewind it and listen to it again. Other than that, we'll be coming at you Wednesday with running backs 13 through 24. Mad Mob receiving running backs for MVP.